Hey listener, this podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance for a reason. It is intended for an 18 plus audience due to the adult context and triggers that may be discussed in each episode. Please check the show notes for a full list of triggers and proceed with caution. You have been properly warned. It's time to count off the triggers. Welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, everybody. I'm Nat. I'm Tori. And tonight, we're going to be going into Envy by Dylan Page. It is book three of the Seven Sins series. How did you like it? I always struggle with Dylan's books. (laughs) Because after I read Torment, I don't believe she's always going to give me a happy ever after. So I don't have that comfort of knowing before I read a book. And I, I kind of like having that security, but I love the books that she writes. Everything that she has written is fantastic. And I enjoyed this one as well. It was a slow burn, which I am sure did not make you happy. Nope. I was, I was making percentage notes as per last time that we had a slow burn because this one had no sex up until they had sex in 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 greed at least they were having sex with other people <laughs> there was <laughs> nothing i was dying dying also this one was it another one of those cinnamon rolls he was a big old cinnamon he was probably more of a cinnamon roll than the other one and i'm really confused you think so yeah I mean, it was really funny. I thought this book was really, really funny because the the demons that kept treating the the, the humans as pets. Yes. <laughs> and not in a sexual manner, but like, you know, like, because you can make that into like a whole thing. Yeah. But no, they literally thought that they were dogs. <laughs> when they got, when I saw the birdcage, I about died. And the cat with toys. the cat toys. Yeah, I was going to say with the cat toys in it. It was so funny. I, I liked the book. It wasn't very dark. No. I I did find it heart-wrenching. Yes, it was touching. Uh, it I ugly cried at one point, and that's that's Dylan's superpower, I believe. Yeah, I did not, but I think it's because I'm so used to it from her at this point <laughs> that I I had braced myself because like you, I was bawling my face off in torment at the end of torment i think you and i were already talking at that point yes because i had read it and you yes and you were like make sure you have chocolate and i sent you the picture of me with my glass of wine and i think i had a whole bunch of dried fruit and nuts i believe so (laughs) like i'm ready here we go (laughs) oh but i was Mm -hmm. right yeah and after that i was like i said i haven't cried since at her books but she messed me up. She messed me up good in that book. But we're not here to talk about that book. We'll probably talk about those at some point, but the Bleeding Heart series is definitely one that that we need to we need to find time to talk we about. We say that about every book though. I know. <laughs> I know. 
not I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying we're gonna be so busy. So busy. But at, at least that security and that we're never gonna be bored. No. Unless people get bored with us and then we'll just stop recording them and just blabber to ourselves like we used to before. Yeah. And that'll work. anyway, let's start blabbering about envy. <laughs> it was high paranormal. It was very uh, hell-based, which I really love the, I liked that in Greed also, just the the storytelling and the the vivid imagery that they, they write about. Yeah. I really could see like everything. And what I enjoyed was that hell wasn't ugly and that it wasn't what we picture, I guess, as humans, right? Like we picture hell being very red and hot and desert-y. But it's not like that in these books. And I really enjoyed that. I appreciate it. I like the fact that each kingdom in hell is different. So you get a different experience with each with each book and with each protagonist. And that that's one of the things that I had I had noticed that I've enjoyed about the series. I enjoyed that this one, the hero was not human, like in the last book. But again, I'm going to have to say that on the scale of assholeness and craziness and jealous possessiveness, this one wasn't as crazy and jealous possessive and evil, even though he's the prince of, I don't know, what was it? He had like a Khaleesi long name. It was so long. Oh, yes. Um, I'm sure that I have it marked somewhere. But the prince of hell and the... The devour something something break the power yeah like I said it really I I made a note of it because it reminded me of Khaleesi mother of blah 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 blah. like it was just a very long it was a very long title (laughs) so for for someone who was super evil and the prince of one of the kingdoms in hell he was was a big cinnamon roll in my opinion I think that he turned into a cinnamon roll I don't think he started that way I was really concerned because having a book where the hero is, is is the sin of envy, I was a little concerned that he would be whiny, and I did not find that to be the case. No, no, but... Well, it starts out with Leviathan's fall. We're back at the great battle that we were at in Greed with Lucifer. He just caused all kinds of problems, but unlike in Greed, Leviathan made a decision, made a choice to fall he knew he expected to be killed and he was he was prepared to die for lucifer's cause and in greed that wasn't so much the case the fall was more because of an inaction than an action and we don't really touch on it at all in lust so but i i enjoyed the scene i thought it gave a good background for leviathan's character to help understand i was a little confused because he keeps he has this I am all over the place today. I'm sorry. Leviathan was not an original angel and he is overly sensitive about that. Yeah. Big butt hurt. Big butt hurt. I was, I was, that confused me a little bit. It took me, it took me a few, a little bit to understand what was going on with that. Yeah. Same. I was a little confused, puzzled myself, but what I liked about him was that he was always a warrior. So he was, he wasn't an angel, like a gentle angel. He was he was almost always the protector, but of course, Michael was always better than him. And he even notes that even as he, as Leviathan is fighting and he's doing such a great job, he looks over it and Michael doesn't even look like he's fighting. And 
<laughs> he's the perfection he says here i was covered in blood my leather belt once a rich mahogany brown was now shining red from the blood of angels my white knee-length road had turned into various shades of gray mixed with deep red stains and my gold i don't know how to say that curious was dented and marred Meanwhile, Michael was the epitome of perfection as he stood there, his beautiful sword grasped tightly in his hands, robes hardly wrinkled, looking like he'd stepped into the battlefield when really he'd been fighting as long as I have. <laughs> so yeah, he's just perfect and he's he's still uh, one-upping him and he's it makes sense. He's envious, right? He wants he wants the attention and he wants the glory but michael has it i think i've asked you this before does michael get a book (gasps) he does appear in each of them but he does not get a separate book on his own michael doesn't get a happily ever after michael is an archangel he's not one of the sins but i want him to have an happily ever after a sexy one no you're not going to like him as much as some of the other books no he can be a real ass. Uh, do, have you met me? <laughs> hey, I see your point. I didn't like him in some of the books. Okay. And now I just want his book even more. Asshole right up your alley. Yeah. All right. Anyway. But Leviathan is very, very envious of Michael and all of the angels, really. He has a chip on his shoulder from the very get-go. And then Michael defeats him in battle and gets a little preachy with him. Yeah, he, he reads him a whole, like a whole 15,000 paragraph thing about how he was always enough and that he could have stayed there, but now he can't, but they won't. He's So Leviathan asks, says, just kill me. And he won't. So he just fell. I mean, Dylan says it much nicely than that, but I'm not an author. I thought it was interesting how he went from the battle of heaven to another battle in hell because he went straight into Leviathan's palace being destroyed. Yeah, by Lucifer's like, (laughs) just for funsies too, not even for a real reason, right? There wasn't an actual reason. I think Lucifer just wanted to annoy him. Well, he did build a replica of Lucifer's palace. And I think Lucifer got a little butthurt about that. Yeah. But that's not really a a good reason to send a small army to destroy it and tear it down. But I guess if you are the prince of hell, you get to make those decisions on your own. Yeah, Uh, Leviathan's really pissed and his underlings ask him if they should rebuild. And he's like, why? (laughs) So he could come here and and just destroy it again? Absolutely not. Just salvage whatever you can and move on. I found that funny. And then he's like, I got to get out of here. I just got to go somewhere else. And what we don't, we haven't said is that he's the gatekeeper of hell. He processes the souls almost, like they go through his domain first. That's what I understood. That was my understanding. Okay. Um, so then he goes to like a bar, right? The, the hell bar? What do they call it? Um, the last call, maybe? Something like that. But yeah, he, he just needed to get away. Because though he had taken his position in hell's uh, as hell's gatekeeper seriously, the sentencing and punishing of those who have sinned and those who have ex- as attempted to escape hell, he wasn't in the mood for all of that now. So he's the punisher slash 
processor. So if you try to escape hell, which I guess souls do. Well, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, I probably am going there. Um, <laughs> you won't be alone, honey. You won't be alone. <laughs> At least, uh, whatever. We're going to go off on a tangent. I'm not going to be doing that. But what I notice is that they occasionally steal souls from heaven. But I marked that, yes. So it says, occasionally a lost soul would be found wandering on the side of the river of sticks or the other. And the ones who... The ones who crawled free, fighting the inevitable death, those souls were ripe for the taking. And the more we had in hell, the less for him in heaven. And the more humans we could punish for eternity. Because this is another guy who's got a big, I don't know, the opposite of a hard-on for humans. He hates humans because he, as in God, prefers them and makes... And he just wants to punish as many humans as possible, especially those who don't deserve it. So if he can steal a couple from the river sticks that that are supposed to go to hell, I mean, supposed to go to heaven, and he can keep them in hell, he wants to do that. He even has Beast go prowling for them. I want to be. Yeah, he sounded so cute. Anything that can go from a, a 20-foot snake dragon-like thing to a miniature one that can put his head on your shoulder i think would just be fabulous yeah, i want a little dragon but anyway yeah he he doesn't want to go home so he goes to this the last stop the last stop there you go and he asks for a drink and he doesn't want to get too drunk but just enough to take the edge off i guess and then of course freaking michael shows up michael just butts in everywhere mm-hmm. And I love that this is just like as if it's a normal bar because <laughs> he just comes in and sits down. He's like, hey, you heard about Riker? And he asks for the, some sort of drink, too. I don't remember what it was. And he says, yeah, I heard rumors that he's palling around with some human. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And have you heard about Asmosius? He's like, yeah, his late, latest folly failed. He's indeed. He took a sip of his drink. But I could still feel his eyes on me. I could sense that he was hinting at something, perhaps shoving it in my face. But he says relationships with humans is are disgusting. They're abomination. Again, he goes on this whole rant about how humans are horrible. And that all they do is lie. And they don't deserve anything. And they just should be punished. And Michael accuses him of parroting Lucifer's thoughts instead of having his own thoughts. That's how Leviathan takes what Michael says. I think Michael can be interpreted in different ways. And Leviathan definitely has a stick up his ass. For sure. Especially about humans. <laughs> but he leaves because Michael is there. He doesn't want to be near Michael. He doesn't want to go back home, but he can't stand to stay near Michael. And he certainly isn't going to go to the human. You know, he's not coming to earth. So he stands there watching this torrent of souls come past um, as they're they're going to to their judgment and then he notices this one soul in particular and she's beautiful very small oh that's the other thing he's huge because they say michael is six four and he's even bigger than that so i love me a nice big hero so points there i also love me a big size difference in heroes and heroines which these two had because she she was this is the we're not we're not 
going to spoil anything because, well, spoiler alert, we'll put it in the show notes. We're going to spoil this whole book because otherwise we have nothing to talk about. But she's described as almost childlike in like size. She's very small, petite, but she's definitely a woman because she's all curvy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you know the descriptions. All curvy too, but I'm curvy in the wrong place. <laughs> That's not true. All curves are good curves. But not only is she small and slight, but she's frail. Yeah, she's looks like she's recently been sick, he says. But he can't quite tell her coloring because, I don't know, souls are like silvery. All They're all silver, so he can't tell what color hair or eyes or anything she has. But something about that particular soul just draws him. And he ends up following her along the river. And then he decides, you know... Because, oh, because she gets to the point of the river where she's going to either split and go to heaven or go to hell. And of course, she goes towards the heaven side. And he gets upset. He takes that as a personal affront. And he decides that he's going to steal her and keep her and torture her just to stick it to him. And he entertained that thought for a little while. But as soon as he decided on it, she disappeared just poof gone couldn't find her so then he comes to the conclusion well if he's if she's not here she must have went back to earth and then we meet evangeline and her little two-box apartment and the first thing that i noticed about evangeline was the kits that she makes she has made her own business out of making like first aid kits and sewing kits and all kinds of these little pocket-sized things. And I thought that was a really creative concept because that's not something, uh, certainly nothing I would have ever thought of either as a person reading or writing, but as as a college student who needed to make money because I was one of those at one time. I just thought it was just a very interesting concept. Yeah, it was. And she's yet another Mary Sue, of course. We've, I haven't read any other kind of heroine, I don't think. They're all Mary Sue's. Yeah, yeah. But it makes sense. There has to be that that difference. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just making a note for myself that apparently we uh, read a lot of Mary Sue's. But yeah, she's really exhausted because she's a full-time student and she works and then she makes these kits to support herself because... She won't ask, she doesn't want to ask her parents for any help because when she was younger, we find out she had leukemia and she did die. And then it was a miracle because somehow she lived again because the doctors were even unhooking all of her monitors and everything because she had died. So when she woke up from death, they were all very surprised and there was really no explanation. And she made this miraculous turnaround, but her parents weren't there for her when she died. Not because they didn't love her, but because they just couldn't stand to watch her die. Well, it sounded to me as in they could, they were, they had left her. Before, yeah, yeah, before that. Mm-hmm. Because they, they couldn't cope with knowing that they could lose her. And rather than suffering with her or trying to help her or do anything that could have been even remotely kind or good. They just go back to their life and leave her in the hospital alone with the company of the nurses. Yeah, as a child. She's a child at that point, too. It's 
she's like like 17 or yeah. something still it's, it's but that is but i have i have thoughts about her parents and none of them were good mm-hmm. same 100 percent. because i've talked about this both my kids were in a nicu when they're first born you don't think that was hard this is one of, that was definitely the hardest thing i've ever been through in my whole life and i had the opposite reaction i wouldn't leave the hospital i don't i think that that's what most parents would do I don't know. Parents sucked. Her parents sucked. <laughs> Completely and totally. But I guess that kind of needed to happen because later on did spend a very good amount of time in hell and we needed to know that nobody was really worried about her. <laughs> what I liked was when he, because he stalks her a little bit, it's very light stalking. It's not because when she goes back to earth, he then decides I'm going to go find her. He goes back and forth about it. But he does find her eventually. And he just stands creepily in her room and watches her sleep. She knows it. She remarks that she felt like she was hunted. She was in hell. She had that sixth sense. Yeah, that she she knew there was something out there that was hunting her and that was watching her. And she calls it the presence of evil. Yeah, because she even kind of felt that what because she she said she had that dream right like of being in the river sticks and going and she thinks this is a dream but it's obviously when he was stalking her that first time so she said even then her soul felt like an evil presence stalking her then and she has that same feeling when he's staring at her creepily sleep <laughs> because he hasn't decided to take her yet But he just is so drawn to her that he can't stay away. What I found super interesting about this book and was that he was more, he was a virgin. He has never had sex before, which was weird for a sin, especially the other sins were just so sexy and provocative and man whores. I mean, greed had sex on every, what is it, Wednesday? (laughs) Every Wednesday. (laughs) yeah so it was just a very interesting take because we don't read very many virgin heroes we have read them in the past but not very many of them because romance reasons they have to be really good at sex and usually a virgin isn't very good at sex but of course this is a supernatural version so it it's the rules break and he's amazing at sex when he does it at 75 percent of the book fml excuse me but I love that because he's so indecisive about taking her which usually I'm not about I'm usually like just fucking take her but he felt he felt so confused about it because he's like I I'm hard I've never been hard before why am I hard why do I want to touch her I don't want to have sex with anybody and and then he um he sees who is it Garl Narl? Narl, I don't know, his lieutenant or whoever it was in hell uh, find a human and he wants to keep her as a pet. I laughed so hard. It was so funny. Look at what she does when I wiggle my claws at her. <laughs> From his great height, stooping over the figure, waggling his long two-inch claws before the girl's face. She cried out and scuttled, scuttled back, her shaking intensifying, and he laughed. See what she did? Yeah. I started struggling to understand what he was so excited about. What? She makes the sweetest little <laughs> sound. 
Yeah, she's freaking out, which uh, of course you are because some, I mean, he's supposed to be this scary looking demon thing. And if a scary looking demon thing takes you and is trying to wiggle its claw at you, you think it's trying (laughs) to kill you because they don't understand each other. There's, there's a complete lack of language. Yeah. And this person was, what was her name? There was Afri. (laughs) This is Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Alexis. Alexis, yeah, her her real name is Alexis, but he he just gets kiss from her, and so she he calls her kiss, and it's really funny because she's she had an accident or something on the way to the grocery store, and so she probably would have ended up in heaven, but as she's dying, these demons found her and dragged her to hell, and he wanted to keep her. He thinks she is so yeah cute. because well when he first came in, Narl, I'm gonna call him Narl, whatever doesn't matter his lieutenant there was her and this like half demon half human weird afri who was who was afri afri comes what was in, afri afri comes in later actually oh. she comes in he goes to visit Lucifer. that one okay yeah sorry i get them i got them confused but yeah he gets he has he keeps her and then he's trying to and uh Leviance is like fine you can keep her just make sure she doesn't like pee on the floor okay these humans they're they're messy and and i was like i promise i'll keep i'll clean up after her she's so good look she can sit she can stay <laughs> he collars her like a dog and again not in like a sexual way literally like a pet because he's trying to train her and she is livid with him She's screaming his her head off. I am not a dog. Stop calling me that. I can, I don't want to eat your stupid food. He's trying to give her only chocolate. And she's like, I need some nutrients. She's tr- he's trying to feed her junk food all day. And at first she was okay with it. But of, of course you're all, if, if anybody, all they give you is chocolate, you're going to get sick of it eventually and ask for like an apple. <laughs> Well, Leviathan watches his scary lieutenant turn into such a marshmallow. And he says, it felt like there was some sort of a disease spreading through hell. And one by one, demons were succumbing to it. I've been calling it the mortal stroke. And he goes and even talks to Lucifer about it, right? Yeah. He asks him for advice. (laughs) What he really wants to have the advice of is he's obsessed with his human as he keeps calling her and then getting mad because she's not his and he yeah he keeps shining himself on it but lucifer is like look if he's loyal to you and he just wants to keep her like let him keep her who cares and then michael gives him the advice right well when he goes to visit lucifer he has to play jenga oh my god i forgot about the jangle yes because Lucifer is still going through his empty nest phase. And it was just so incredibly funny. He's like, I don't know what Riker has against me. What did I do to make him mad? Tell Lucifer, I like this fucking game. Yeah, because as we said, Leviathan is a virgin. He has absolutely no interest in sex. So when he's explaining this game to him about how he has to have sex with these demons, he brought the demon ladies in. He's brought the Jenga. He's brought the alcohol. He's like, let's do it. He doesn't want, he's, I, I'm, I have absolutely no interest in having sex with anybody but my human, which fuck, I don't want to 
have to admit that to myself. He has, I think he talks himself out of it eventually, but it takes him forever. And he's so mad. <laughs> well, they go to all, they have all of these different activities. They end up at a, like a, a spa kind of thing. Oh my God. Yeah. With cucumbers. <laughs> it was so funny. And I have this image of this like nine foot tall demon with horns and a face mask with cucumbers. And he hated every minute of it, but it's not like you can really tell Lucifer. Yet. No, you have to. He's your king. And he does it. Lucifer eventually falls asleep and he escapes that way. And I think he goes, does he go back to the bar? I don't remember. But at some point, Michael's like, look, go get her. You want her? Go get her. I think Michael tells him that. Riker tells him Riker, that. Oh, Riker, right. Lucifer is useless in this. And he goes, he's like, my brothers will be able to help me. And Riker has hooked up with this, with this mortal female. So maybe he can give me some advice. So he goes to find Riker, who has got his son and this little boy runs up to Leviathan and he's ready to kill the kid because he doesn't understand what it is. And then he gets really confused because it, Riker's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And he's like, what the hell happened to you? Why are you living with a human? Why are you procreating? And why are you living in this house? <laughs> he says he says a shack, actually. Yeah, stinking, dilapidated shack. But yeah, Riker tells him that he should. But anyway, so we're, we digress. He goes to get her. He eventually decides, okay, I'm going to go get her. Before that, he, he tells his gnarl to get everything prepared because he's bringing home his human and he wants to make sure everything is prepared. So he goes in and steals her. Well, before he steals her, she recognizes that she's not feeling well. She's having some, she's having some, some serious problems with energy. She's tired all the time. So she calls her doctor to make an appointment because with the leukemia that she had, she's afraid it's coming back. But I think it's really because she's not sleeping because he's stalking her and she's too scared to fall asleep. That's the way I took it. I think the night sweats are a little different. I think, it's, I think that's, I think that was part of the the symptoms because she has that going. She has that even once she's in hell. Oh yeah. Okay. True. But yeah, it was just really funny because when he does steal her and it's a very, it's a very interesting scene. He, she describes it so well, how it's almost like sleep paralysis. And it was really, it was a, it was a cool description. It rose over the side of my bed, casting a large shadow over my still form. And while I wanted to scream, I was frozen where I lay, incapable of moving or even calling for help when it reached for me. I felt it grasp my ankles and slowly, inch by inch, I began to slide beneath my covers down the length of the bed until my ass was resting at the edge. The shadow enveloped me, snaking beneath my back, then lifted me into a sitting position. My head rolled back, my body limped like a doll's, unresponsive to my will, yet inside my mind, I was absolutely losing my shit. Yeah, this was a good scene. I thought he was going to have sex with her first, though, and he did not. I didn't realize that he was a virgin at this point. Yeah, but even if he wasn't, or even if he, yeah, because he, he says how just the mere presence of her makes him hard and makes him want to turn into, like, he loses control. 
and he's so known for his control that it's weird. So I was like, okay, he's going to snap. He's going to lose his control. Nope. There is no control loss. No control loss and no sexy times. Not even a sexy graze. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Poor Matt. But it's fine. I get a gilded cage later, so... She wakes up in hell in a bird cage, a giant golden bird cage with cat toys because these Leviathan and like everybody else, like I said, they hate humans. So they don't really know too much about them. It's not like they study them or anything. So they just bring back these random things from, from earth and just decide that this is what humans need. Because when she woke up, she's on a bunch of pillows. It's not even really a mattress. And there's a dog bowl with tuna fish. Not a, it's not just tuna fish. It's a can of tuna fish. A can of tuna fish and like some other random food, like a banana. Strawberry jam. Yeah. It's just a strange combination. And she's like, what the hell? It's, it's in a, she's in a beautiful room in a beautiful gold cage with cat toys (laughs) that would be so surreal right because she doesn't realize she's in hell yet she's been someone kidnapped her for trafficking purposes yeah so she blurts out i'm a virgin i'm not a virgin (laughs) it's so funny and he gets furious Mm mm-hmm is he's ready to storm off and kill whoever it is that touched her. So she has to explain that they're not in the picture anymore. <laughs> and he's like, they're deceased. <laughs> he's going to send them to, he's going to give them beast to eat. But when I really lost my shit in this scene was when he asked her, do you do any tricks? Yeah. Which is like, yeah, I sit, I roll over. <laughs> I fetch and he's like you fetch what do you fetch a newspaper he's like a newspaper fine a stick <laughs> it's so funny yeah she's like no fucking fetch but this was really the the really big difference between her and leviathan because he wants to know what she does better than everyone else so that he has that pride of of being the best and having the best And her thought is that you can't be the best because there's always somebody who's better. It's just impossible to reach perfection. And that if you, if you live your life trying to have that perfection, you'll never be happy. And that's a lesson that she drives home with Leviathan throughout the course of the book, because he's, he's disappointed in his castle. And she thinks that, that it's fabulous. Beautiful. And the throne room, he is, he compares it to Lucifer's, which is covered in jewels. Like, but it's so beautiful. It's so magical. And he's like, well, I, I didn't really, you know. And she finally asks him, what's wrong with you? How can you live in this place and not, and, and be so down on it? But then he takes her, he's like, all right, come. <laughs> he says, come. And she's like, I'm not a fucking dog, man. He's like, I know you're a human. <laughs> Evangeline, come, I barked, and she let out a little squeak before she hurried to my side. I felt a sense of pride at that. Two times now, she followed my command with perfect obedience. Those fools, Narl and Gazat, attempted to train their humans with rewards and treats, while mine just did as I bid. Clearly, my selection was superior to theirs. Yeah, it's also because those two don't speak English. They only speak (laughs) demonish or whatever the language is. So... 
obviously you have a one up because you can actually speak English. <laughs> I also got tickled at Lucifer because when he goes to see Lucifer, he rec- he notices that there's a ruby missing from the throne. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> and we know where that ruby is. But she does ex- explain to him that he has kidnapped her and he's like, uh you're not a kid so no i love that the misunderstandings because of language even though he speaks english he doesn't really use it that much i guess and he doesn't know humans so when she says you kidnapped me you kidnapped me come on longer sentences evie (laughs) kidnapped i took you yeah that's what kidnapping means you're not a child you are fully matured he is so very literal and that is that's a great deal of his charm. I yeah, think. it was really funny. But then they still don't have sex for a long time. And then he does bring her to the throne room. And he's like, I got to work. <laughs> Go sit on that pillow on a leash chained to the wall. And while she's doing this, she's trying to figure out what he is. Because she knows he has magic. She doesn't know that he's a demon. No. So she ticks off all of these different supernatural races and character classes. You know, maybe he's a wizard. Maybe he's a necromancer. He's a vampire. And I just, I got tickled with that because she, she doesn't have any idea what's going on. She just knows that this isn't, this is elsewhere, I believe is how he describes it. Yeah. And once again, we'll go back to the same thing with Breathe. These people just completely are like, oh, okay, I'm in hell now. All right. They're very understanding. There's no no disbelief whatsoever. No, I'm crazy. None of that. Just acceptance. Well, I guess when you're faced with all the magic that she sees him do, that maybe, and maybe she's a little bit in shock and too in shock to have processed it right. That that was kind of how I thought about it. I guess. And then she watches him work, which means a whole bunch of demons come in with their problems. And then they drag in that man. And she freaks out when Leviathan devours him. But it's not till she thinks that she's dead that she really loses her shit. And she becomes catatonic. And Leviathan does not deal with that very Mm -mm. well. Oh, but here we get his name. I am the great devourer, the gatekeeper, the dragon of the abyss, the protector of the world outside of hell from the sinners who have earned the place here. So that's the whole, the whole name. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it's very long. And I was like, Khaleesi, mother of dragons. But yeah, she freaks out because she thinks she died because she had cancer <laughs> again. And she does tell him that she died before. And he confesses to have seen to seeing her and they still don't have sex. My note is over 54% in and still no sex. <laughs> she's still having problems. She's still waking up with the night sweats and she's still weird and she's still feeling off. Yeah. And clearly they're both attracted to each other because when she woke up from the cage, she was like, why are she, she's like, he's got these green eyes and he's really tall and well-built and so handsome. And why am I attracted to my kidnapper? Yeah. What's wrong with me? Nothing, girl. You're like us. (laughs) I just made a TikTok. I haven't posted it yet about being kidnapped, so. I look forward to seeing it. It's a, it's funny. I told you I'm trying to convince Mr. Savage to con- to kidnap me for a TikTok. Yes, you did. How's that going? It's it's going. He's he's not cooperating. 
He's not saying no, but he's just, we both have no time and we have to find somebody to film it. I got to come up with the whole thing. This TikTok is becoming a, a full-time job. It sounds like it. Guys. And we appreciate it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So that's fine. But like sitting there and, and giving book recommendations is the one thing. And then when you're trying to make a mini movie of your husband kidnapping you, <laughs> And then you start thinking, I'm a 30, 40-year-old lady. What am I doing filming TikToks with this much intensity and commitment? You really start thinking about your life in a whole other way. Since I don't TikTok, I don't know, but I will take your word for it. I mean, you watch all my TikToks and I send you all the sexy men TikToks. You really do. And that's nice. Yeah, I was actually, (laughs) we're going to digress, but that's fine. We do that anyway. But I was at work today and I was talking to somebody and they are obsessed with the 365 Days movie that we have decided that we are going to watch as a bonus episode for you guys at some point and do a fun review of that. Because, uh, Tori, have you seen? I have not. I have heard a lot about it, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. Okay, so I've watched the first one. I have not watched the second one. And they are, in my opinion, well, I haven't seen the second one, but the first one, very cinematic and beautiful to watch, but really funny in a clearly not meant to be funny way. Oh, that sounds good. I think you're going to like it. And like I said, the, the people are beautiful. The shots are beautiful. The... there's music it's almost like a fancy very long music video (laughs) coming from my background in the theater and in the arts I'm always fascinated by how shows are shot and how the actors portray things so that sounds like something that I would be interested in yeah I don't want to poo poo on the movie in in case you guys liked it but I didn't think it was very good but I, it was almost so bad it was good. I believe that you have good movies and you have bad movies and you have entertaining movies. And the same with books. I am entertained by, by a lot of books that are bad. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I don't try to make them be something they're not. I can appreciate the fact that they're entertaining and that part of their entertainment may stem from how bad they are. I mystery science 3000 the shit out of things. (laughs) I love it. But yeah, so I don't even know where I went. But anyway, I was talking to that lady and she was obsessed with Michel Monin, which is the guy that plays Massimo. So I was like, oh, well, are you on TikTok? (laughs) And she said, no. So then I proceeded to show her all of my reactions to hot men and she immediately downloaded TikTok. (laughs) So, uh, and I was like, well, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I was like, you like that book. I mean, you like that movie. It's based on a romance novel. Did you know that? She's like, I did know that. It's like, guess what I do all day, every day. I read romance novels. (laughs) And I told her, I was like, I even have a podcast about it. And no, you're not allowed to know the name. Because only a, a privileged people in my real life 
know that I have a podcast. Only a very few sprinklings of people. There are several people in my life that know I have a podcast. Most of them don't know any more than that. But there are a few folks that actually listen to it. I saw I saw a, a really dear friend today. I haven't seen him since probably December, I guess. We catch up a couple of times a year. But he's he and his wife listen to us. Oh, so he is one of our 3% of male <laughs> listeners. <laughs> because we have a whole breakdown and it's like, I don't know, something like 88% of our female, 5% are non-binary and 5% are not specified and 3% are male, which I think are your friend and my friend who listens every now and then. And that might be it. <laughs> we are glad to have you guys so welcome yeah uh, are you getting anything out of this <laughs> you should be you should be getting how to talk to your wife out of this because your wife probably wants to be told that she's yours in a growl <laughs> wow we have gotten so far off topic yeah okay we should probably go back to the book <laughs> well it's about this point that she tells leviathan off she reads him the riot act she says the word vomit kept coming I tell you that you've caused me hurt and a reason to be afraid, but then you spin it to blame me rather than just accepting that perhaps a human seeing a creature from hell as terrifying as you would be a staggering revelation. You ask for understanding, patience, and acceptance while giving none in return. Can you not understand my frustration? He gets points because he listens to that. He actually hears it and says, okay, I will, I will try to do better. Yeah, and then he says, but then you have to do something for me. And I thought, ooh, a sexy dare. <laughs> and of course it wasn't. It wasn't, because still no sex, guys. <sighs> and then she's back in the cage. Yeah, she just goes back in the and pouts. I would probably pout too. I would, be, I would be pretty pissy if I got kidnapped to hell. I don't care if he's hot. I would probably get myself killed. If I get kidnapped to hell by a hot prince of hell, and there's no sex, I'm pissed. <laughs> I am mouthy. I am opinionated. I am I am a nightmare. So anybody who kidnaps me, you better have a gag. I'm just going to say, and that's not for any sexy fun time. <laughs> that's because that's the only way you'll get peace. My parents used to joke that they never worried about me getting kidnapped as a child because the person who kidnapped me would always bring me back. <laughs> yeah. My little one won't stop talking. I mean, my I'm sorry, my older one won't stop talking. So I think I think she's got the same a gift as you. When do they actually have sex? Do you want to just go to that? Because <laughs> there's a lot of mutual pining. There's a lot of, you know, because they sleep in the same bed and they bathe together. They don't sleep in the same bed until after they have sex. But he does bathe her. Yeah, he dunks her in with water in her clothes in the tub. It's not a sexy shower scene because she's his pet and he is responsible for her care and upkeep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she snipes at him. She says, I can clean myself. He's like, oh, you can't? It's so funny. And she's almost like a, a cat because she gets out of the tub. And all wet, stumps back to her game. And then he um, he admonishes her. He stops her because it's like, you're, gonna, you're about to get your bedding all wet. I thought you said you could take care of yourself. And meanwhile, she's just really stubborn. So she didn't want to ask for a towel. 
So he dries her off because she obviously can't do it herself. That still counts as a shower scene. Technically, they were they were bathing. And he did dry her off kind of sexy like. It was just a very different take on it. And before they have sex, I believe is when he takes her back to the throne room. Oh yeah, they have sex. Uh they have a first kiss at 66% location 2443 unable to resist any longer i closed the space between us lightly pressing my mouth to hers curious about this craving the moment i felt her lips move beneath mine i understood completely at first i was hesitant but eventually with her guidance i picked up the rhythm and she set for us and followed suit she tilted, her, she tilted her head to the side, her mouth opening as she kissed me back. The realization that she was not pulling away, only eating me more as I eagerly explored this new phenomenon. This was the first kiss, I think, that I read in a romance novel where the lady let it. I don't remember, re- I'm not saying that I haven't, but I don't remember reading something like that before. I have, I don't think so, actually. There are, I mean, there are times that I can think of where the heroine initiates sex, but she's never the one doing the leading. She's like, okay, I want to have sex. He's like, okay, I'll take it from here. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, it may have been in one of Zoe's books that maybe it's the next one. Anyway, uh, just because they kiss at 66% doesn't mean they have sex because they don't. That's the start of the romance. Yeah. And the emotional attachment. So it's important. Yeah, but then once they actually do have the sex, it's really hot. And they keep having the sex. Once they have it, it continues. Oh my God, that sex scene in the throne room. I got a little hot and bothered by that one. Because it was like almost public sex, but not quite. Because she was just like sitting there with him. Like on top of him and he had covered her like he adjusted her we're getting far ahead of ourselves but it doesn't matter it was a really hot scene because they're like doing it in the throne room and there's a knock at the door and it's gnarl and so leviathan all like huffy and puff like all mad like switches her around so that she's sitting with her back to him but he adjusts her dress all nicely and he's still in her and then Narl comes in and they start doing business and demonish. And she has absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And every now and then he'll like press on her and like shift. And she has to pretend like nothing's happening. And he decides that he thinks maybe that's the way to conduct business all the time now. Yeah. Because as, as soon as that guy leaves, he's just back to like going at it like a crazy person. Well, he apparently likes a little bit of exhibitionism, not being seen, but being heard. And so they, they're outside a lot. They are in the throne room. They find the places where other people could hear them if they were there. Yeah, because Leviathan is a mine guy, so I'm all for that. He says she's mine and no one's allowed to see her, but he does like it when people hear her have a good time. (laughs) But the throne room before the sex, the guy tries to kill her and tries to bargain his way out. Yeah. And I really, I expected that scene to go so differently. and. The way that it's done is very, it's very well done, but I expected the deal with the demon to, because the guy takes 
Evangeline hostage and says, basically, I'm going to kill her unless you give me what I want and I want mercy. And Leviathan says, okay, I, I will grant you mercy. And he gets Evangeline away. It's the first time that she really gets a chance to experience. Oh, no, it's not. She's, she's seen his wings before. Yeah. He, he uses them to protect her. And I was really expecting Narl to take this guy and make his life hell because Leviathan was going to give him mercy, but that doesn't mean anyone else would. So that was, that was kind of what I was expecting. And I was a little disappointed to see that the guy basically just was blown to smithereens with no pain. Although it says flayed apart, ripping to shreds, sending blood, severed body parts and organs everywhere. There was time for him to scream, let alone understand what happened to him. I wasn't mad at it. He got what he deserved, just not as slowly as we would have liked. I wanted him to hurt. You are very vindictive. I really am. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I believe in vengeance. But then she really, Evangeline gets super sick. And Leviathan is, because he, he tries to have sex with her in the morning. And she's like. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I just don't feel good. I can't right now. He's like, what do you mean you can't? Like, what's wrong? And then uh, she tells him that she just probably just caught a bug or something. But he knows no such thing as bugs in hell. So he's he she he notices she hasn't really been eating for the past couple of weeks as well as much as she should. Maybe it's because he keeps bringing her demon food. That was also a very interesting scene. He has this really nice dinner. And he's so proud to be able to offer her all of these wonderful foods and his, his favorite food. And she is not having it. Mm-mm. No, she is not. But she did find some things that she liked. And the descriptions of the different... The pimply apple. The pimply apple. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So, I mean, this book was really funny. There was a lot of really funny descriptions and activities and... I really, I liked the funny parts a lot. And the sexy parts were really good. But anyway, when Evangeline is sick, he does get points for trying to make it better. He even goes back to her apartment because he's trying to find something that will cure her or that will that will make her happy again. That if he can just find the right twist, he can cure her. Yeah, well, because he talked to Narl and I think he said something like, well, maybe she's bored. So he went back and he he got her like crafting stuff and he sets up this beautiful craft like area for her. And he brings back because she says, oh, bring me like chocolate, uh, blueberry pancakes. So he brings back human food and it's really good. And she has like four bites of it because she's too sick to eat. And, but then she she waves it off and says, oh, I was just really excited to get started on my crafts. And she makes him the necklace, the birdcage around the stone. And I, I appreciated the birdcage. I, I have a new appreciation for birdcages after I read this book. I always found them very pretty. So the, the ornate gold ones. But but then she just keeps getting sicker and sicker. So And she, she tells him, you know, sometimes humans get sick and they don't get better and he refuses to accept that he's like that's that's not okay that is that's unacceptable and she says you have to bring me back if you want me to get like I need human like I need doctors I need well she doesn't say it in that way but she says like I need to go back and he says you will stay here you are mine and I was like "Mm, yeah I was like well can anybody heal me here 
And there is one person who can. And he does try. Yeah. Leviathan does everything in his in his capability. He goes to Lucifer and he begs him. He says, I've been a loyal follower and servant. I've killed for you. I've done everything you've asked me to. I need you to do me this favor. I need you to save my pet. And first, he's really shocked to, to see that he's having sex with her because as we know, he's asexual and hasn't had sex ever before. Hasn't even been attracted to anybody before. So when Lucifer found out that he had sex with someone, he thought, oh, like some demon lady. Yeah. He found out it was a a human. And then after he found out that he said he's not going to help him. And that brought a whole other game. He was said, he got real mad. He said, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Well, Lucifer kind of smacks him down. When Leviathan comes at him with the, I was a, I'm a loyal follower. I fell for you. And he says, no, you didn't. You didn't do that for me. Everything that you've done has been for yourself and for your pride. And Lucifer says, the only thing that I can do is I can kill her quickly. But that's the only mercy that she would get from me. And the whole point is he doesn't want her to die because then her soul would go to heaven and he can't go to heaven. Although he did tell her, which was a very like, you know, made me made me a happy girl moment. He said it, he would keep her soul there with him forever. And we wouldn't let her go to heaven. Selfish bastard. That was one of the quotes that I that I pulled out. The wicked creature that I am, I coveted you when I had no right to. And now I fear I will never be able to let you go. Yeah, it was a good one. See, it's nice when the author writes it and you get to see what they say versus what I say. He also says, I regret to tell you that I am a selfish being and I have no desire to give you up. The moment I saw you in death, something about your soul enraptured me so completely. I had already started to change before I even understood it was happening. And she, again, tries to make him understand that she needs to go. She needs to go home. One of the things that that we didn't talk about was their conversation about birth control. Oh, yeah. Because she has been... uh getting that demon D with no birth control. And then she's like, crap, I don't want to have a demon baby right now. And Leviathan, we find out that Leviathan is not capable of having children because he came from the abyss. He was not, he says, I was not made to create. I was made to destroy. And it's kind of sad. There are multiple places throughout this book where you get a very different perspective on God than you than you would otherwise have because Leviathan is very bitter about God having taken him out of the abyss and bringing him to heaven and trying to make him this perfect creature yeah well he also took like a second part wasn't there like a second part of him like a part of him was gone well he talks about that when he was taken out of the abyss, he says the other half of my being. And I think that it was, I took that to be kind of like a faded mate. Yeah, which was her. I took it the same way. She was, it's almost like when I guess God created, created Adam and Eve, Eve was a part of Adam. So I kind of thought of it the same way. Like there was one being and then they separated them 
and one became Leviathan and one became Evangeline. I took it to be to not be Evangeline. Oh. Because since I have many things to be spiteful for, Evangeline, being robbed of my ability to create another in my image is one of them. And he says, the other half of my being, the only one I could have joined with was thus removed from existence in the process. Oh. But then he says, he tells her that it's familiar the way that he feels for her. Which is why I thought it was her. But the idea of him being separated from his mate for all eternity made me a little bitter on his behalf. Yeah. I mean, I... I felt bad for Leviathan and through a lot of this book. He, you know, he may have been more of a cinnamon roll, but he was very It was a very sad cinnamon roll, very angsty. And I liked that about him because you almost never, I mean, you might find a broody hero, but you don't usually find them full of angst. Usually the angst comes from the heroine. So it was really nice to see that it was switched this time. Yeah. Yeah, but he does eventually sacrifice his happiness. And it's like, of course, this is the classic Dylan makes you cry. This is where you cried, right? Where he took her back. Yes. And he didn't stop crying for eternity until uh, the end when she came back to him because his eyes turned black and he was... Tears. And he cries from the moment he lets her go to the moment that she comes back to him yeah and he sits there and watches the the sticks the river sticks with all the sad silver souls and he's just watching for her soul and eventually eventually she dies but she has lived her entire life alone and he's taken her memory so she has no recollection of the time that she spent in hell or with him but she still feels like there's something missing in her life she feels like a piece of her is gone and I was, I wondered how she would get her happy ever after if she spent her life with another man. And so I was kind of gratified to find out that, that she, she didn't. Yeah, I was sad that she didn't. She was like sad and like she was all alone. She didn't have her love there. But she says that her dreams changed from wanting a husband and kids because she focused on her career, creativity, and her art. So I didn't feel so bad for her. I I didn't want her to have been happy with someone else. <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. So I'm a little bit like Asmodeus. If I can't have her, <laughs> no one can. You are 100% like Asmodeus. I'm like, let the girl just live her life. And, but then I guess what do you do with her husband's soul when he dies? I guess it gets messy. Maybe it's better you're right. But then she dies. Yeah. And she is an old woman and she goes to the golden gates of heaven. And she realizes, you know, she talks about how, how this part of her was always missing. And as she is standing in front of the gates on the banks of heaven, all of her memories come back and she remembers Leviathan. And she goes back to him. And she has the option to go to heaven where she belongs. And she says, no, I wish to return to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's still crying when she shows up. It's so sad. I did not, however, 
and this again is just me being vindictive. She's an old woman when she dies, but when they send her to Leviathan, they have returned her to her youthful glory. Yeah. She got to be sexy again. And I was like, really? Well, you were mad at that? I thought it was incredibly unfair. <laughs> Why? No, I think it's fair because he's still all sexy and, and whatnot. He hasn't changed. Well, that's true. So it's not like how I'm sure he wouldn't have cared, but she probably would have cared. That's true. That's true. Okay. That's like me saying I get mad all the time at my husband because he gets better looking as he gets older because guys get really good looking when they're older. And then at the same time, I'm just becoming this wrinkly, sad lady. In what universe are you living in? I've seen the TikToks. <laughs> no, but like, I, I mean, it's... I have this conversation with my, my one of my friends too because she gets she's the same way she's so mad at her husband because her husband is like my, my, my husband I think my husband is better looking now than he was when we first got together I don't think I'm better looking now than when we first got back together when we first got together I would agree with you on from my relationship Klein is much sexier now and I am not and that's unfair I will, I will give you this point. Thank you. You are correct. And I was wrong. <laughs> so for once, she says I'm right. Ooh, <laughs> mark that on the calendar, guys. <laughs> I'm usually trying to convince her and she goes, fine. <laughs> but yeah, they're happy together. And, and he's, I mean, it was, it was a really sweet ending. She says, I choose you, Leviathan. I choose to spend eternity with you. You are worthy. Yeah, and what I liked about this was they didn't redeem him and he didn't, you know, he went back to heaven or whatever. Like she chose to stay down in hell with him, which she thought was beautiful. I have the same note. It would not have worked any other way. There's no way that that he could have been redeemed and still had the impact of the story. Yeah. It was, it was a good ending. And they, and Beast gets to have his hug with both of them. Yeah. I Beast feel, is there. I really like Beast. Yeah, Beast was a really good touch. He was, I mean, we both like dragons, so it makes sense that we liked Beast. That was the book. They got the happily ever at, after, and I'm sure they had lots of throne sex after that. I imagine they did. I will not say no to the throne sex. That that was a very hot situation. I wouldn't say no to throne sex either. I need to get a throne. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, that's Envy by Dylan Page of the Seventh Sin series. But next week, we are going to shake it up a little bit. We are not continuing with gluttony. We will, but but not right now. We are switching gears And next week, we will be covering Sweet Savagery, book three of the Ruthless Obsession series by Zoe Blake. Refer to our two two previous episodes for the first couple of books in this series. And we like to shake it up a little bit so that way we're not doing all paranormal for two months or all mafia for two months. Splitting it up a little bit, I think, is good. It gives it keeps it gives those of you who, who might not like one genre the opportunity to enjoy the next one. Yeah. And if you liked Dylan's books, 
check out her other books because we love her other books. We love Torment Duet. We were talking about that a little bit before. That is a dark, very unexpected book. We don't want to ruin it for you with spoilers. It has a very unconventional happy ever after. So I won't spoil it and tell you what happened, but I will say that if you are expecting the normal guy, girl, marriage, kids, don't. But that hero, Shay. Oh my God. He is right up uh, uh, both of our alleys. He is insane and unhinged and uh, check all the triggers, obviously, because it's a very triggering book, but it's, he's crazy. I loved him. And I am going to have to say that her other hero is my, is my, my husband, <laughs> Jeremy. I've, I've upgraded him from book boyfriend to book husband. Oh my. <laughs> he also looks a lot like my husband. I think I told you. We had talked about it, about Mercy after you. No, you and I have not talked about Mercy because we're saving we it. started, yeah, we're saving it. We started the podcast, but when we, when Mercy was coming out, we were both like chomping at the bit. We were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I think you, you read the, the arc, didn't you? Not for Mercy, no. Not for Mercy. Okay. Uh, anyway, we were both, oh, I think you just read it before my, me. I read it yeah. before you, because it came out at midnight and I had it downloaded at 12.05 to start because I'm insane that way. Yeah. <laughs> you were ready, but <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's, I would be doing the same thing, but we've discussed this. I have children. I can't freaking just read whenever I want. Unfortunately, you did the smart thing and you had no children and you just have a cat that, yeah, you have cats who are just as bad as children. So <laughs> oh, she is furious with me. She, oh yeah. Yeah. I was gone. I was out of town <laughs> for, for 10 days and I come back home and she's like, huh, you're back. <laughs> how, how dare you leave and me? And I, I stretched out because I, I was in the mm-hmm. car for hours today and she jumps up and she gets right in my face and she just screamed at me but she wouldn't let me pet her she she it took a while to to convince her that I'm I'm okay she's a very spiteful creature yeah well cats tend to be and so do toddlers so (laughs) anyway when she was teasing the book and I think she she put a little Instagram post with the, with Jeremy and Nyla, you know, like like two models. And mm-hmm. Jeremy was this blonde bearded tattooed guy and Nyla was this curly haired lady. And I was like, oh, look, it's me and me and my husband. <laughs> I think I sent you the, the thing and I was like, oh, I wonder what we're going to get up, what me and my husband are going to get up to in this book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so check out all of Dylan's books. She does great writing. And we both love like all of her books. Oh, I was gonna ask you about Priest. Oh my because <laughs> you did driving, so you listen to the Audible. I haven't finished it. I've got like an hour left. Okay, but you got into some of the good stuff, huh? But holy <laughs> hell, I I was not expecting that level of pornography. <laughs> it was wonderful. Except I stopped at a gas station and I had the Bluetooth on and 
I open the door. Oh, no. And there is this little old lady, and it is right during the anointment oil scene. (laughs) And I thought one of us was going to die, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be me or her (laughs) because we were both embarrassed. But I couldn't find, I couldn't get it to stop. I could not make the radio shut up. Oh my goodness. Oh, that was a good laugh. It was scandalized. That's hysterical. I did a TikTok on it and we talked about it last episode. So if you haven't listened to Priest yet by Sierra Simone, do so. Do not read it. Listen to it. Come back and thank me later. And I think you should go on to Sinner after because Sinner is actually, I liked Sinner better than Priest. It was hotter, if you can believe it. I don't know if I can stand that. <laughs> I like him both. It was so good. It was so good. Anyway, let's do some palate cleansers. Do you have any palate cleansers for me this evening? I do. And I mentioned it already. I had lunch with a very dear friend that I haven't seen in a very long time and it was wonderful he gives the best hugs ever and it's so nice to be able to reconnect and that was that was my happy place today that's nice I had to read a little bit of um, a palate cleanser myself recently and I just want to say my palate cleanser is (laughs) a very dirty one oh my it's morning glory milking farm by MC Nacosta. I think I may have mentioned it. And by the way, folks, I apologize for our last episode being out late, but sometimes real life happens and it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) And like I keep saying to everybody, as professional as we sound, (laughs) this is not our full-time jobs. This is just for fun and we really enjoy it. So thank you for being patient with us as we sometimes get these episodes a little out late because you know we got other stuff that we got to do for work and other things so but back to your palate cleanser my yeah my palate cleanser it's morning glory milking farm by mc nacosta it's not a dark book it is a crazy book about an alternate like an alternate reality almost it's like normal normal humans but they live amongst centaurs and witches and vampires and it's it's so cool and it's done really well. And this girl finds herself down on her luck. And she's, it's a very real life situation, actually, for such a crazy book, right? She's got all these college loans, but she can't find a job that will pay well because she's not gotten a degree in a field that has got a lot of job openings at the moment. So she finds this job at a morning glory milking forum. And it's where... <laughs> You go to milk minotaurs because they have found that minotaur semen has better than Viagra qualities for human men. So a pharmaceutical company makes pills out of it. You know, I was thinking actual milking like with udders. Oh, no. I... No, no. That, this is a romance novel. I know it. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> it's a really great, fun read. Because, like I said, I mean, it's sexy because if you like lots of large wee-wees, then this is a book for you. Because she doesn't just milk the main minotaur, she milks a whole bunch of them because it's her job. 
So fascinating. Yeah, it's I'm not gonna, like, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but it's a really it's a fun book. And like I said, not dark at all, but definitely dirty. And the buildup is really good because they both like each other. But it is a very professional environment that, you know, it's not like a, a seedy back. It's a pharmaceutical company. Like they go there. It's a, everything is like tax deductible. Everything is on the up and up. Right. So client and technician relationship is a little bit iffy. They have to keep it a little on the down low, but they like each other. And he's this stern brunch daddy of a, of a minotaur. If you guys know what a stern brunch daddy is, <laughs> it's, it's a good book. I highly recommend, and it's a fast read. So that is my palate cleanser. Thanks for listening to us. Please follow us on our socials. We're at Trigger Warning Romance on TikTok and Instagram. Please join the Facebook group. If you want a chance to win a a copy of each of the Ruthless Obsession books from Zoe Blake and a novelty vase, please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Take a screenshot and post it under the giveaway post in the Facebook group, and you will be entered to win. Please email us if you have any thoughts. We're at triggerwarningromance at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And and come back next week for Sweet Savage. We're very excited to go back to Zoe Blake and her sexy, spanky Russians. <laughs> have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs>